0: Welcome to the SoxProspects.com podcast. We are the web's number one source for information on the Boston Red Sox farm system from top to bottom, from Fort Myers to Pawtucket and all stops in between. Thank you for the listen. My name is Chris Hatfield. I am the executive editor of Sox Prospects and I am joined as always by our director of scouting, Ian Kundel. Ian, uh, short season has started. It's the busiest time of year for the website. Draft signings are coming in. How are you? You keeping up? What's the deal?
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's it's really busy right now, as you said. I've been getting back to the field, which is nice. The weather is getting good, but it's also uh, draft signings. There's also life stuff. Got a lot of traveling I have to be doing the next couple of weeks for various things. So it's going to be a very busy schedule.
0: Mm, we, should with, probably, uh, we should probably give a shout out to our boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those who. Are- <laughs> Well, I mean, it's on Twitter. I mean, someone tweeted it. So, for those of you who remember, for those of you who remember John Mioli, uh, former what was his? I mean, he was in ownership for a while, but um, I think his highest title was like senior columnist or something. Um, but John Mioli, who now writes for the Baltimore Sun covering the Baltimore Orioles, getting married this coming weekend. So, congrats to our man John. Not that he's going to listen to this, but. Um, yeah, one of my favorite guys that's come through the site. It's always neat to see, uh, you know, folks who kind of got their start here make something make something of themselves, damn it. Um, but, yeah, so you're going to get to check that out. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, lot's happening. We, today we're going to talk about we've got Lowell started. Ian's gone to see the Spinners twice at Little Asher Park. Got a lot of players to talk about. That's one of the most star-studded teams pre-draft signings that they've ever had.
1: Easily. Yeah, it's it's remarkable um, compared to especially having been to Pawtucket and seeing what they have between there and Portland. It's quite a stark contrast. It's, I yeah. think what uh, I I want to say, I can't remember who wrote the article, but someone was talking about like a little preview, probably Alex.
0: It was Alex. Uh, I know the one. And, and Alex. Alex, uh, he, Alex Spear he co- of the uh, Boston Globe.
1: He quoted some of the um, front office guys talking about how it's one of the better crops they've put together and I tend to agree after seeing them for a few games.
0: Well, and he even had the quote in there that when you talk to talent evaluators who go see like the in Portland, they kind of come away shaking their head a little bit sometimes just when you ask about it. So, um, but at any rate, yeah, um, it'll be good to, uh, to hear about that. Also uh, the Dominican summer league has started. So we're going to hit on some of the highlights. It looks like that DSL squad might be one of the most talented teams Uh, that they've had in the well they've got two DSL teams actually but uh, the Red Sox signed a whole bunch of guys last year on the July 2nd signing period and uh, those players are making their debuts now and some of them are really showing out so we'll talk a little bit about them we will also hit on some transaction action Uh, The Red Sox signed Chris Owings and we've got some draft signings so we'll talk briefly about that. Uh, Very briefly about the former, but then we'll talk a little bit about the draft signings as well. So, um, And plus, of course, as always, we've got your emails. If you want to send us your questions, send it to podcast at socksprospects.com. Like I always say, we want to talk about what you want to hear about. So send us your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. We've got, I think, at least one. Um, We've got a nice quick turnaround between the last episode and this one so um, we'll hit that listener email before the end of the show as well we also want to give a shout out to our five dollar level patreon supporters that'd be sock signatures kirby miller kyle costigan tyler wooddraw jeff trainer david nardone tim harding bill stanton deb kendall evan kirkwood hurricanes one chris fox james o'hara and nathan nathan kenyon andrew wallen Lendell martin ben burnett david b and si uh thank you everyone um as I mentioned our last episode, right now is the Sox Prospects donation drive, and we could really use your support. Uh, we're asking you to help us raise seven thousand dollars to keep Sox Prospects up and running for another year. Your uh, donations help cover site's costs. Site costs, sorry, in two areas that being firsthand coverage, travel costs, uh, so that Ian can go check out the Lowell Spinners, so that. You know, we can go to spring training so that we can send someone to the fall instructional league so that I can check out teams where they're in Frederick and Bowie and even Lowell. I'm going to catch in Aberdeen this year because that's a team that I definitely want to go see. So it uh, helps us with that and also helps with general IT costs, hard computer hardware, software, Internet costs, hosting fees, etc. cetera. Um, you know, we do have advertising, but it doesn't come near uh, covering all of our budget Uh, for the travel costs and the IT costs. So your donations really help. To support us, you can go to com slash donate, or you can go to Patreon.com slash prospects. That's where those $5-level contributors come from. They're contributing $5 an episode on Patreon. If you do $2 per episode, you get access to the Patreon or op, two dollars or more you get access to the patreon game updates and that's where one of us will go to a game and we'll go on patreon and we'll post updates ian just posted two this weekend from the the Lowell spinners we're going to get to some of that on here but we just don't have time to get to all of it um i mean there's a half hour of content on the Lowell spinners on there we're not going to do a half an hour much as ian might like to on the Lowell Spinners today. So um, if you want even more content, is this if this podcast is not enough for you, make sure you're giving it $2 and up per episode. That'll give you access to the Patreon game updates. I know we just got a whole bunch of people on there. I want to say thank you to our newest uh, uh, patrons at the $2 level who just signed up. Uh, but without further ado, Ian, let's jump into it. Um, let's really quickly, before we get to Lowell and the DSL, let's talk really quickly about kind of the news. Otherwise, um, transactions-wise, the Red Sox signed Chris Owings to a minor league deal today. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a major league shortstop, or at least the guy who's played in the majors. Kind of major
1: stupid. league utility player.
0: Major league utility, okay. Please refer
1: to him by his proper name.
0: Sure, major league utility player, <laughs> Chris Owings. Uh, I mean, Owings is a player with... Uh, You know, 620 Major League games. He's got over 2,250 played appearances. The line's 242, 285, 368. Uh, This year with Kansas City, he was OPSing 415 uh, with an OPS plus plus of 11. But meanwhile, he had played second, third, center, right, short, left, and even pitched. Uh, Utility player. Utility player, like you said. Uh, It's a death move.
1: Yeah, they don't have any... I mean, we've talked about it before when they called up Chavis, but they... And and last
0: time when they called up Marco Hernandez.
1: Right. They don't have guys on the 40-man roster that play the middle infield, Mm -hmm. so... Like they just or frankly, they don't have position players on the forty man roster. The only position players on the forty man roster in Pawtucket right now are Oscar Hernandez who's a catcher, Sam Travis who plays first base in left field, and Zoway Lin who's rehabbing an injury and can obviously play shortstop, second, third, and left. But I think it's just as you said, a pure depth move. I'm not sure, are they adding to the forty man or is it a minor league deal? It's a
0: minor league deal, I think.
1: So there's no risk. I mean, they're playing yeah. like Jansen Witty, and Mike Miller guys like that every day. Like there's no he's well, more the same. Miller's on the
0: IL right now. but
1: Right. But what I mean is like he's just a minor league depth guy and yeah. if they need him, so be it. He's got experience versus having to turn to someone who doesn't have any big league experience.
0: Yeah, I mean if you look at the Potucket roster, I mean you've got Chad De La Guerra who's down there. He's actually hitting really well this year. I was just about to say he maybe wasn't getting the job done, but he's hitting 297, 377, 554. That's kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, you haven't had Tony Renda all year, and I think they were counting on having Tony Renda as a depth option. Mike Miller is what he is. I, I don't know what the deal is with Zoué Lin, uh, but Marco Hernandez is up, and I think they just they needed to add to that depth, uh, especially now with it becoming clear that Pedroia is not coming back. Um, this year, they've based. They've, I mean, it's been acknowledged that he's stepping away for the year. Um, Eduardo Nunez is, is what he is. Um, you know, they're going to keep him around the clubhouse because they I think they like him in the clubhouse. But you know, he is what he is at this point. Right now, you're starting Marco Hernandez at second and Michael Chavis at first. So, I
1: mean, Marco Hernandez can hit though. We should probably can. like it, it's good to see him back healthy. Obviously, like That's he was out job. for so long. But he's just someone who, like, even I mean, we talked about it that he has like a chance to start. Like, he I mean, like could be a second division starter. So he's,
0: in eight games, he's hitting two fifty, two fifty five hundred.
1: Yeah, which I mean, fine, it's better fine. than Water No walks,
0: can do. <laughs> no walks, eight strikeouts, which is walks are overrated. Marco Hernandez line.
1: Yeah, he doesn't walk very much. He no. uh he he doesn't strike out overly, un- too much, but he doesn't walk at all. So
0: yeah, I mean, let's see, I'm uh. Like 2016 with Pawtucket, which was with which was his last full season, he walked 12 times in 57 games.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't even a full season; it was 57 games.
0: Right, with um, Boston that year, he walked five times in 51 at bats.
1: Yeah. I mean, he doesn't walk very much, but like he can hit. I mean, he's like, I think a career like close to 300 hitter in the minor leagues hit for average, got a little pop. Like, frankly, for what they need at second base right now, he's more than serviceable. And it's going to be interesting to me whenever Moreland and Pierce come off the DL, what they do, because I'm wondering if they're going to it's going to turn into kind of like a three way platoon between Chavis Hernandez and the first baseman between those two positions or if he goes back down or what.
0: Well, that's the we should probably also mention Michael Chavis. Um, has pulled out of his funk again after Um,
1: going into a brutal slump. I think, okay, this is who he's going to be, frankly. Like this is kind of what I expect. Like Chavis does not have the hit tool that is going to sustain like a high average. He's going to go through streaks where he's just seen the ball really well, hitting really well, like he did to start. And then he's also going to have his stretches because of the strikeouts and the, nature of his swing and everything and approach that he's going to go you know one for his 30 or one for two for 50 or something yeah. but as long as he keeps working his way out of it that's fine his last 10, yeah,
0: his last 10 yeah. games 324 390 541 right i mean two bombs
1: it, yeah he's gonna say i think this is like he's kind of finding his footing in this is what he is he's like a 240 to 260 hitter who can hit 25 home runs a year yeah and that's I mean, obviously a full player
0: before that, in his previous 16 games, 164, 239, 246, with 27 strikeouts and 67 play appearances.
1: Yep. You got to get used to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Welcome to I the, think, welcome but to I the think, roller coaster.
1: I do think we should mention it all that, like, he's never played. I don't think he's ever playing third base again. Like, this is, he's a first baseman or a second baseman. Not with the Red and,
0: Sox, unless Devers is and, getting a day off. And,
1: yeah. It just, anyone who was questioning Raphael Devers, yeah.
0: We told you so. He's good
1: at the baseballs.
0: I I mean, I've been saying – we've been saying for years, Ian. It's
1: on the scouting report on our site.
0: He's got the tools.
1: It's right there.
0: Um, And this is for everyone who is saying, like, oh, well, call up Dahlbeck and have him play third and move Devers to first. Like, no – that's a waste of both of them.
1: I think he's third in like defensive rating over the last 50 games or 30 games or so, there's some stretch I can't remember what it was, but it's after that sloppy start where obviously he did get off to a slow start defensively. Yeah. He's the third best defensive third baseman in all of baseball. Like and obviously he's this is not what he like level-wise he's like he's a, he, I think he's like a solid he's going to be like a solid average third baseman. He's not a gold glove caliber guy, but it's more than enough for the bat to play and the bat is going to play. Like Yes. He's going to have
0: He's gonna be in Cleveland this okay,
1: year. And he's gonna be an all-star this year, and I would pretty much guarantee this will not be his best first half of his career. He will have a first half that's better than this sometime in his career. Right. Probably several times. Like I like it. He's like Devers is gonna have a year where he's gonna get like three thirty with thirty five home runs. And everyone's just gonna be like, Oh, wow, he's pretty good, huh? And yeah, he is. <laughs> like he's just this is a this is the type of talent the Red Sox don't have in their system right now. And very many, very very few teams do. Like he's a special player, so enjoy it while we can. Mm -hmm. Which, because thankfully he's around for a while, though, so that's good.
0: (laughs) That's that's very true. Um, (laughs) All right, well, moving on, uh, we've got some draft signings, uh, a whole slew of them. Yeah, um, they're
1: getting work done early.
0: They're they're getting it. Well, I mean, I think. I think there's reasons for this. Let's get into what's happened.
1: What would those reasons be, that they agreed to these numbers before the draft?
0: (laughs) Well, there's that. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, mean, well, uh, I think
0: you you know where I'm going to go with this. But the Red Sox have signed uh, the following players. I guess we'll start with the the highlights. And their top pick, uh, second, quote-unquote, rounder, Cameron Cannon. First rounder
1: in the second round.
0: First rounder in the second round, Cameron Cannon he got 1.3 million slot for that pick was 1.729 and change uh just under what 1730 1,730,000 so they saved uh, about four sorry 420 yeah, well four, about 430,000 on that pick yeah Huh, a little less so, than I thought he
1: would get. I thought, like, 1.4.
0: Yeah, 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5 was kind of where you, me, and Mike had wound had, had yeah. up. Um, the Red Sox signed their third-rounder, Ryan Zephyrjohn, for 500K flat. That
1: one was surprising to me.
0: You thought he was going to get over slot. I thought he was going to get over-slot. No, over I, didn't, over I slot. thought he
1: would get-slot. I mean, but I, this is basically, like, and this is, we should say this, like, the MLBBA perfect game, all those sites do a great job with their draft coverage, but at the end of the day, like, those aren't reflective of what organizations, how they value players. And the players know that. So when we see a guy sign like Zephyr John sign for lower than slot at pick 107 for the slot, so it was closer to, I don't know what pick, probably like 112, 115, like, and that's he was ranked higher than that, there's a reason. Like he's not, you know, his talent is representative of the bonus he's getting there. So.
0: Yeah. And I mean, keep in mind, because, you know, this is, with one of the guys we're about to talk about, this has kind of become you know, a thing uh, on our on our forum. Um, it's not like teams have out the Baseball America rankings
1: no, they have their during own.
0: the draft. They have their own scouting and, yeah. uh, and rankings and projections and things like that, and scouting reports. They're not drafting a guy based on where perfect game has him.
1: Well, that was like when the Cannon pick happened. I, I got a question on Twitter. It was like, why would they take Cannon over Nick Quintana, who the Red Sox drafted a few years ago? Because they wanted him. And, and it was like, well, it's we don't know. Maybe they liked Cannon more than Quintana. they uh-huh. perfectly reasonable. Then you look for what they signed for. Cannon went for 1.3. Quintana got full slot, which was 1.6, I want to say, where he went. Like... those are the the things like yeah yeah, like but that's the point it's like as you said the 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 rankings aren't reflective of what teams think and so they're they're great for us and they're great to talk about but at the end of the day the teams have their own rankings and i think you're we're going to get down to the big overslot guy when you i'm guessing
0: and the teams the, the, the other thing the other point on that ian is that you know they're not reflective of what teams think save for like an order of magnitude right like I think everyone's more or less around the same on the top 30 yeah, the, or top, the
1: top 20 or the 30. Top, I would say, yeah, the top 10
0: 16 even. I think, yeah, okay, so call it the top 20 because I think I saw something about this recently and I wish I could credit it, but I don't know. Maybe it was a Fangraphs piece, but like the top 20 or so is where most people agree, and yeah. then after that, it's a crapshoot. I mean, like, I mean, look, look at the at, rankings. The guy we're going to well, talk I was gonna about. Say,
1: look at, oh, I was going to say look at Matthew Lugo, though. MLB had him 38. BA had him 74. Perfect Game had him 50. That, even within that group, there's a range of...
0: I think Fangraphs had him in the 20s.
1: Yeah, so, like, that's a range well, of 50-plus. And look but, at Canon
0: too. Canon the Fangraphs had him at, like, 48.
1: Yeah, like, MLB these guys,
0: and PG had him in the 70s, and 70s. Baseball America had him in 94.
1: Yeah, like, we. It's who's to say who's right? Like, it's yeah. all... You know, guesswork but yeah yeah.
0: um but if you look at like brock bell just one of the seventh rounder
1: which we should talk about which we'll talk
0: about in a minute but like perfect game had him in their top 200 baseball america didn't rank him and they go it went out to sick no perfect game went out to 600 i think ba went out to 500 yeah like top 200 versus not in the top 500 yeah well but that
1: also could have been a thing where like brock bell only threw like seven appearances all year so they might not have seen him potentially
0: but at any rate, so that's why you can't take these things as gospel. Yeah. They're the useful reason... to orders of magnitude, and that's yeah. it.
1: Do you want to talk about Bell now, or do you want to move down? To yeah, like the well, we'll practices?
0: move down. So okay. we got Zephyr John. Jax Groshans, the fifth rounder, the catcher out of Kansas. Zephyr John's uh, battery mate signed for exactly slot $304,200 in the fifth round. Um, Chris Murphy, the sixth rounder, has signed. We don't know the bonus yet. Um, Brock Bell, the seventh rounder. Is the first over-slot signing? Slot for him was one hundred and seven thousand seven hundred dollars. He signed for four hundred and sixty-five thousand, which if uh, let's see, carry the two, um, it's
1: like one hundred and eighty thousand. Or sorry, it's like two hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars. So say. that's
0: roughly two hundred and seventy-seven thousand three hundred dollars, yeah. uh, just off the top of my head, not typing it into my calculator on my computer. I did it off the top of my head for those okay, well, listening. No. So I mean, that's some of the Cameron money. Yeah, that you saved went to Brock Bell, um, but they've saved money on Zephyr John, saved money on Cannon, and they signed eighth rounder Will Dalton not of Florida, to a one hundred thirty thousand dollar bonus. That's about little under three hundred, or sorry, little under 30, thirty grand less than slot. So, right.
1: well, and we should mention with Bell. Bell had leverage here. Bell was a junior college guy who had a commitment to Auburn, who I believe made the College World Series this year. Or lost in the super no, regional. I think
0: they lost in the super regional. Below. Okay, whatever.
1: They're a good college baseball program, and so he had leverage here. We're not talking about like a guy who was a like a college junior or whatever. He was a you know junior college guy with the leverage of being able to say, "Fine, I'll go to Auburn, play one year there, and then be draft eligible next year as a junior again." So, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. They uh, Auburn did not make the College World. Oh, they are. They did. They they yeah, played they did. Mississippi State in the first. Yeah, round.
1: I, th- I thought they did. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, we should mention moving down the ninth and tenth round picks. Neither of them have signed, but that's not because there's any issues. It's because no. both their teams are playing in the College World Series. Yeah. Well, actually, Arkansas was literally eliminated like two hours ago. Mm-hmm. So Scroggins will probably sign relatively shortly. That's
0: ninth, but ninth rounder Cody ninth rounder, Scroggins.
1: Cody out of arkansas will sign probably some point in the next few days and then steven scott the outfielder for vanderbilt vanderbilt's good and is still playing so that could be a while (laughs) (laughs) unless michigan has something to say about that
0: well kumar rocker might have something to say about that too
1: no michigan has something to say about that
0: are they beating florida state i told my wife to
1: put they were they were last time i looked
0: okay um, well then, and then there's some other later round signings, um, second base. Oh, we should mention actually Cannon is going to Lowell, Zephyr John, Simply, yeah. going I've seen Lowell.
1: a lot of those guys in Lowell already. They're not
0: playing yet though. Right. Uh, Murphy's going to Lowell. Dalton is going to Lowell. Bell is going to the Gulf Coast League. Um, and then the following guys have signed, um, the 17th round, Alex Arrow out of Northwestern second baseman Lowell. Um, Catcher Jacob Herbert out of um, George Jenkins High School in Florida. He's going to the GCL. Uh, First baseman Joe Davis out of Houston is in Lowell. Uh, You can't miss him. Uh, Senior sign. Uh, 21st rounder rounder Dylan Spake, uh, right-hander out of Long Beach State. I think he went to the Gulf Coast League. Um, First baseman Dom D'Alessandro, first baseman out of GW, George Washington. He's in Florida in the Gulf Coast League. Um, center fielder, Leon Polino, uh, I, he went to Florida virtual high school, which I think means he was homeschooled, but that was just his senior year. He is from Lawrence, Massachusetts, which is awesome.
1: Oh, I didn't um, realize that.
0: Rep, rep the Merrimack Valley. Um, I, I had a tweet the other day that got so much traction. Cause I was just talking about how I have this dream that he and Sebastian Keene out of North Andover are going to like
1: Merrimack Valley teach, <laughs>
0: teach everyone in the Red Sox system to play 45s and talk about chicken barbs. Um, And I I did not realize that many people on Twitter knew what 45s was. I was very happy about that. Um, 24th rounder, Dean Miller out of Cal Riverside, Gulf Coast League. Um, And and the 24th rounder, and then the 26th rounder, lefty Brandon Walter out of Delaware. 27th rounder, Devin Rodall out of Houston. Uh, They are both in the Gulf Coast League. The 29th rounder, Luke Bandy out of Dallas Baptist is in Lowell. So... Yes, that is the update on the draft signings. A uh, few more things left to shake down. Obviously, Lugo, it's been reported. I uh, should mention second-rounder Matthew Lugo, pick 69, uh, out of Carlos Beltran Academy in Puerto Rico, is reportedly si- going to sign for $1.1 million unconfirmed. Uh, that would be slightly over slot. Uh, slot for that pick is $929,800, so call it 930 So that would be, you know, about hundred and. Seventy thousand over slot so he's going to get probably the rest of the cameron cannon money it looks like and then noah song the fourth rounder i have no idea what he's going to sign for um slot is yeah i i got
1: i got asked on a radio hit what i think he was going to get and i said it would not surprise me if he got 50k it also wouldn't surprise me if he got like 600k i have genuinely no idea like i think it's probably going to be like 250 maybe but I like he. It's one of the more unique draft cases I've ever seen. Like There's I have
0: no precedent.
1: Yeah, like
0: zero. He's precedent.
1: most likely going to miss two years, and right. so I just yeah. Who knows? He's a so senior,
0: we'll, but he's yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. So we'll we'll cross that bridge. I think we should also mention that two of the guys. This is kind of interesting to me. It's the Red Sox are kind of resorting to the draft and follow approach that they took under the old system with a few guys this year. It seems and they
0: did that last year too with Chris Mackimer.
1: I guess so, yeah, but like Brendan Salucci and Ora Anu, is that right
0: Oraj uh, Anu, maybe
1: uh they're both playing in the Cape Cod League, and I think Anu is already homered a couple times, but mm-hmm. um yeah, that the Cape Cod League, so that's obviously very close and gives the Red Sox a pretty good look at them, so yeah,
0: yep, yep. yeah, so we'll see what they, I mean, it might just be a matter of how much money's left over too, mm-hmm. when they sign everybody else, but yeah, okay, so that's the draft, uh moving along, Ian. Speaking of draftees and young players, you have seen the Lowell Spinners this year. You've got a couple Patreon game updates about it, but let's talk about it here. Big picture-wise, this is one of the most exciting Lowell teams we've seen in a while. They, before anyone has si- any of the draft signings have joined the team, they have four top 20 prospects in the system. In shortstop, Anthony Flores, um, outfielder Nick Decker, outfielder Gilberto Jimenez, and third baseman Nick Northcutt. That's obviously the big four. Let's start there. you've seen them two nights in a row I guess starting with Flores in kind of the you know in the shortened version, what did you see out of each of those four guys?
1: Yeah, so I guess just generally first of all Lowell's off to a really good start. I think they're they're killing whoever they're playing again tonight so they're gonna be three and one and the one game they lost was a disaster of a Penn league game. they were like 20 runs, 30 hits six errors or seven errors five wild pitches 10 15 walks it was just a three and a half or four hour beautiful display of penn league baseball but um because of that it means the north flores gilberto and uh decker have gotten a lot of playing time a lot of at bats so i was able to get a pretty good look at the that uh quartet or group and i guess starting with flores um yeah i mean there's a lot to like here uh there's also some issues that we're going to have to work on, but he's an 18-year-old kid playing against, you know, 21, 22-year-olds. So that's kind of expected. Um, he's hitting, I think he's one for, I don't remember what he's, it doesn't matter. He's probably like one for eight, one for six. Um, as of when I, when I, in the two games I saw him. But uh, he's got a really smooth swing. Like he has feel for hit. You, he knows what he's doing at the plate. There's going to be swing and miss right now because he just, he doesn't have the strength really to whip the, his, bat drags a little bit compared to where his hands want to go. And that's understandable. I mean, he's, you know, he's an 18 year old kid, but, um, the swing is good. He's made a couple, made some hard contact when I saw him. He had a, I think he had a double and he had a couple other really hard hit balls. Um, and then he's also struck out like four or five times, but that's going to happen. Um, but physically, I think that's kind of what stood out to me is he's definitely already started to fill out he's listed at six foot one ninety, And as we talked about in the bat the past, he's pretty physically developed for his age. Um, he had some projection remaining in the upper body, but he's even gotten a little bigger than when I saw him in the past. And so that's going to be something we'll need to watch defensively, which I'll get.
0: Let me interject real quick. Uh, yeah, Yeah. Flores was one for eight in the two games you saw with three strikeouts and a walk.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's some swing and miss right now, but it's one of these things where like, he knows when he's messing up, which I like kind of like he gets frustrated. He got visibly frustrated when he missed a first pitch fastball that was very hittable. And the fact that he's already doing that means he knows he's good and that he like has high standards for himself, which I don't know. I kind of, I like that. I like to see like a guy who cares like that. But, um, yeah, defensively is kind of the thing I want to talk to. The first thing with with his speed, like we ha- I, ha- I saw him as an average runner last year, and now I think he's probably like a 40 runner. He's a below average runner. And I think that's only going to get worse as he physically matures. So that's something we're going to have to watch with him. And then defensively, he's made a couple good plays here and there. But there's also – I think he has two errors or maybe three already this year. And they're just kind of like – there's just something, I don't know. He doesn't look that comfortable at times in the field. Like he'll make, he made a couple really good plays. Um, one was on a pop-up where he just fluidly caught it over his shoulder, but then there was just like a ground ball a little to his left and he booted it. And so it's understandable. There are going to be some issues when you're younger, but, um and you know, the, the inconsistencies in the field, but at shortstop, that kind of gets magnified as you move up the ladder. And so I'm going to need to see a lot more of him there to, be comfortable like projecting him as a long-term shortstop but i do think the bat there's going to be enough juice for it to play either at second or third if that's what ends up happening but for now obviously you leave him at shortstop and see how he develops there but as he gets bigger which i think is going to happen that's going to be a little get a little more questionable maybe as he uh moves up the ladder
0: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. um but for
0: you i mean we've got him ranked as the number i think eight prospect in the system right sound about right to you you think you're going to move him up move him down
1: no, I'll probably leave him like right around there for now. Just looking at the guys ahead of him, like he's just so far away. Frankly, I mean, you could make right. a case that he's like at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's my number five prospect. But I'm going to give it some time, get a couple yeah. more looks, and then we'll go from there. There's and no it's a long of
0: season. I mean, keep in mind the number one prospect right now, Tristan Casas, had a brutal April. Right? Yeah, like, he that's, was legitimately and, bad.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and Tristan Costas is now not just the number one prospect in the system. He's going to be like a consensus top one hundred guy this off season. Yeah. So well, he, got, yeah.
0: he got added. He and Jaren Duran got added to Baseball America's top one hundred list as guys graduated. So did, off. he got it.
1: He got added to Fangrass, too. Did he? Yeah. yeah. I think he's a stud,
0: But, but that's he's, the thing is, you got to give these guys time to right.
1: Well, and that's what I was going to say. Especially with someone like Flores, is an eighteen-year-old. I mean, Casas is the same thing. Nineteen-year-old, like first real season stateside. Flores got what two at bats last year or something before he got hurt when he came well, over.
0: He started in the Dominican Summer League, right?
1: That's my sense. Played so.
0: like eight, Well, you know what I'm saying. He played like eighteen uh, yeah, games. Yeah. Was too good for the DSL and got promoted. Yeah. Um, and then came over here, basically was hurt.
1: He had four at bats.
0: Didn't play at all. Came back, got four at bats, got hurt again, and was out until Instructs. So Yeah, and he
1: played at Instructs, but still, that's not the same thing as playing. I mean, at Instructs, you're playing in front of the front office, the other players, and like 10 fans, you know, and lol, they're drawing, you and know, a couple f- thousand guys. <laughs> that's like a big thing. That is yeah. a difference. Like, you know, you might want to. Y- 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 playing in front of people and in a stadium and the whole routine is different than what these kids are used to. So Mm -hmm, um, it's mm going to take some time to adjust, but I'm not, I'm not worried. Like I I like him a lot and he's a really interesting guy. And um, yeah, I mean, he's very talented.
0: sorry. Tell me about the number 12 prospect in our rankings. Ian Nick Decker.
1: Um, Yeah. So Decker's off to an interesting start. Um, His, I think he's, his stance is a little different than when we saw him in the past. Mm -hmm. He's a little crouched now, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it seems to be working for him. Um, but I think the first thing that stands out to me is he's pretty advanced with his pitch, uh, with his like knowledge of the strike zone compared to the other guys. Um, he's very passive. He works a lot of counts deep, and the result is he struck out like four times. but he's also walked four times. Like in the, two, I think he has like six at bats in four games this year because he's walked four times and has like four sack flies.
0: Well, I can tell you right now, Decker in two games has three at bats. He's one for three. With three walks and two yeah. strikeouts.
1: Yeah. And no, but he also has like three sack flies in that stretch.
0: Uh, this one Her does two. not have sack flies anymore.
1: It, I mean, I'm t- telling t- you he did. I was – No, I know, no, but, I know. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I
0: mean, I'm just trying to – Yeah, they don't have sack flies anymore. On I can it, tell like, you. Actually. But yeah, I mean, it, well, it's. I mean, he's only got three at-bats.
1: Yeah, because in, in the first day, he, he, he had – an first game he had on opening night, he had a sack fly, walked twice, and then struck out – And then the second game, he had two sack flies, a – no, one sack fly – no, two sack flies, a triple, and a walk in the games I've seen. So he just – he's got a knack for getting on base. He knows the strike zone, and it's like a relatively advanced – like knowledge I, of the strike zone compared to some of the other guys.
0: I think I saw something about how in, in nine plate appearances, he's seen like 60 something pitches or no, yeah, it was including but, tonight in, in, like a, like 12 plate appearances. He's seen like 63 pitches. Yeah.
1: He works very deep counts, but this is kind of funnily enough. When you're facing low pitching or Penn pen league pitching, you don't get very many hittable pitches no. in a bat. And, I kind of wish he was a little more aggressive because he's passing by. There's some like very hittable fastballs that he's letting go. And I kind of just as a kid where in, where he is in his development, I want to see him swing the bat. Obviously, it's like for me, that's what I want to see. So I do like that he's taking pitches, but at the same time, he could stand to be a little more aggressive. And I think this is something we've said about some other guys before. Like I remember when Andrew Benintendi was in Lowell, he hit like 230 because he just was standing there and like taking three pitches every at bat for whatever reason. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Decker is a little shaky because of this. But when he does swing, I like the swing. There's definitely power on his triple. He really turned on a fastball, got it off the wall in right field. And I think he's only a right fielder now. He has not played center field once, um, which makes sense because really Gil- because Gilber- Gilberto Jimenez is a potential like plus defender in center field, and he should be playing center field every day. And frankly, Decker's not that athletic. I don't think he's a center fielder, so I, I kind of like that they're just putting him in the corner already because that's where he's going to ultimately end up. Let him get used to it. Arm is kind of forty five ish to me, but I, I like him. I'm I'm interested to see if he moves up in the lineup. I, I think that's something you're going to talk about later. But the lineup is really weird right well, now. Let's
0: say right now. I mean, these four guys are hitting six, seven, eight, nine, which is yeah. kind of weird.
1: They bumped up to five, six, seven, eight for one of the games, but yeah, they're because all Arnold, hitting. Arnold was it.
0: hitting nine. Yeah. Right? yeah, they're all
1: hitting in a row though at the end. But yeah. I don't know. I think I, my theory is it's to kind of give them some just a time to adjust to the league and get used to it, and then eventually, once they're succeeding, which they're going to because they're good, they're going to move them up in the lineup. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, like by mid season, you know, Joe is hitting Zach sec- first. Um, Decker's hitting second or Flores is hitting second. The other one's hitting third, and Northcutt's hitting fourth. Like that would not surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Right. But then again, with all the college guys coming in, they actually they probably
0: they in. probably won't actually because Cannon's going to be hitting near the top. Of
1: right. The so Cannon, and so I bet like Groshans is going to hit like third. Like I wouldn't be surprised actually if they stay down there thinking about that. But it's just interesting, um, yeah, that they're doing it that way. But I like having them all in a row. It's great for me because it makes it so I know which innings are the, the ones that are going <laughs> to stand out.
0: But uh, well, it's yeah, tough uh, to focus for a full game, man. I get it. Like,
1: especially when it's like four hours of yeah, sloth. Yeah. But uh, no, Decker, I, I like what I've seen so far. But I'm just, I, I still, it's a little surprising to me he didn't go to Greenville. But um, I get it. You know, he's a, he's a high school guy from the Northeast. Like, that's not a baseball hotbed exactly. So they're breaking him slowly. And if he's in Greenville next year, it's fine developmentally. It's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, I mean they're definitely taking it slower with him than they have with other like second round picks. I mean, right.
1: but Cole, I, I, I wonder. It's called Brandon last Cole year. Brandon the same thing, right? No, no, no he, he went,
0: went to Greenville and got demoted.
1: I, I wonder if they're scared off by that almost. Maybe. Like, because the Brandon thing is obviously not worked out very well, and he, yeah, he did go straight to Greenville, and then they had to send him back down. Whereas this way, you know, if he rakes for half the season, he'll just get promoted to Greenville. Well, he,
0: but Brandon, keep in mind, actually played in Lowell after uh, after signing. We got As three. opposed to Decker, who got oh, – Well, Decker,
1: it? he got three games, sorry.
0: Brannon or Decker?
1: Brandon got three games in Lowell last year, or his first year in the system. I
0: thought he played more. Yeah. Did he play in the Gulf Coast League?
1: Yeah, he got a full season in the Gulf Coast well,
0: League. Well, that's – I mean, okay, that's what I meant. Like, oh, okay, he got a yeah, full yeah. season of at-bats, whereas Decker got hurt. Correct. And got so, two yeah. at-bats, or two games, the whole year last year before instruction. That is
1: a good point. So, that's yeah. my point. So yeah, on that's Decker for okay. you.
0: Uh Gilberto Jimenez Jimenez is ranked uh sixteenth on our list and Jimenez is what what was that?
1: It's he's on his way up in the Yeah, right. Okay,
0: so, well he's three for six right now, uh, with uh, two strikeouts thing. and no walks. But whatever. I mean
1: I I love his line his line <laughs> go God the,
0: he's got a 500 average and a 375 on base percentage. Yeah, because he's got
1: two sack two sack flies. <laughs>
0: sack flies. Okay, right yeah. right. But it was yeah. but
1: if you include I think the third game of the year uh, he it was like 556 500 556, which I really liked. I don't All know. Right. It just made me laugh. But um yeah, Gilberto is off to a really good start and it's he's a very unique player. He's just uber athletic like to the point of guys we don't have in this system very often we talked about it with Durant too but joe burdo's up there athleticism wise he's a 70 runner uh, i got him on a ground ball fielders choice at like four one from the right side i want to say mm-hmm. i'll have to find it but yeah he was, you like, said he was
0: a 70 runner in the game update
1: yeah and he was four because he was like four one two from the right side and that was slowing up at the end
0: mm-hmm.
1: like he can he can really motor down the line and he uh from the left side, I guess we'll start off there. The swing is just it's all upper body. There's no lower half. It's just throw your arms at the ball and put it in play. But he's actually good at it. Like his hand-eye coordination is remarkable. I don't know how he does it, but he just some how just can throw his hands at the ball and he gets it on the barrel and just it finds a gap. And that's and that obviously was,
0: that yeah. was the side of the plate that uh, Jimenez added Correct. Uh, after signing.
1: Correct. So he's been switch hitting for what, 18 months now, probably two years at most. So this is not his natural side. And you can tell um, when I get to the right handed swing, we'll touch on that. But, and I, this is the side I do have concerns about it because against more advanced pitching guys throwing harder, like they're just going to bust him high. Like we've seen kind of with Michael Chavis and he's not very strong right now. So up in the zone is going to be an issue turning around that, but you don't see very many hitters with the slap-happy approach he has succeed in the upper levels. I mean, we saw with someone like Zhu Wei Lin who had a similar uh, swing when he was in Lowell. He had to completely retune what he was doing when he got up to the high minors. So that left-handed swing is a little concerning to me and something he's going to have to work on, but the fact that he's taken so naturally to it and is able to put the ball in play already with it and use his speed is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw him hit from the right side yesterday, he faced two lefties. It's just the swing is so much more fluid uh, he actually incorporates his lower half like he uses a leg kick he the, like there's more of a stride there and a load and he can actually square the ball up he had a ball that he absolutely crushed to left field that was a missile that just happened to be caught like 10 feet short of the warning track but it was the kind of swing that when he's physically developed and not 160 pound string mean is going to be a home run and so from the right side, I really like the swing, and um, I'm interested to see how splits work out because he's going to face so many more uh, righties and lefties this year, so right. there's going to be a lot bigger sample size from the right side. But And I kind of was wondering, like I was looking at his splits last year, and he actually did hit better against righties than lefties, but I think part of that is from the left side, he's so far out of the batter's box that he can use his speed more on balls with, that he puts in play, and that really is going to artificially boost his BABIP and his average. But, um, yeah, at the plate, like, I, you can dream on a plus hit. Like, the power, I'm not sure what it's going to become. The frame has a lot of projection. He's, as I said, probably 5'11", 160 right now. So it's a long way to go developmentally, but and there might be a little power right now. It's like 30 raw, like 20 game. There's no power at all. So we'll see what happens there. But I just I like the hit tool a lot. And then obviously the speed plays and in the field. I've I've liked what I've seen. You know, it's rough there. There are some issues. He has a lot of trouble reading balls off the bat that are uh, like in, you know, when the batter takes a really big swing, but then hits a little bloop pop up. Like he has a lot of trouble reading that and he's had a, he had a couple that probably should have caught, but he got a slow first step and wasn't able to that dropped in front of him. But at the same time, he made two really good plays that I think actually uh, our uh, intrepid great photographer Kelly O'Connor got a really nice shot of that she put on Twitter of, of him making over the shoulder catch on a ball where he just took off immediately because he read it perfectly and caught it. And it was a very nice play. It was something, you know, most, a lot of center fielders aren't going to get to that ball. And so. It's kind of like a mixed bag out there, but I I think the raw tools are there for him to develop into a plus defensive center fielder. And the arm, I would grade it right now like a fifty fifty five. And I think, though, as he adds strength, it could develop. Plus, like, he th- he throws a good ball in. It's on the line. It's not too high and loopy. Like, it's got some carry on it. It just, it's a little light, but it will get more. And I think that that's just going to be a part of his game, too. So, overall, I've been, if you can't tell, I've been really impressed by him, um, especially as an 18-year-old who didn't play in the Gulf Coast League at all. To come straight over to the Penn League and start doing this is very impressive.
0: You said Kelly put those photos online?
1: No, she tweeted him. Or, yeah, or tweeted him. I, yeah, I'll I'll send it or I'll tag you in it.
0: I don't see him at all. Oh, it, I see it. I see it. Hold on. Oh wow, that is a nice pick.
1: Yeah. So she got. She up a,
0: she sent it replying to you.
1: Yes, correct. Okay. Yes, but that was the catch. That gives you an idea of what he did. But he did a really good job of. Um, of tracking the ball and it was kind of one where he was able to even, it wasn't like completely over the shoulder. He actually was able to get behind it and make a comfortable play on it. And you can see how close he is to the warning track on that compared to where he started. It was a really nice play.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well that's, so that's him and as, um, and then let's finish up with our number 17 prospect third baseman, Nick Northcutt, Ian.
1: Yeah. Northcutt, I think is probably off to the best, best statistical start. Uh,
0: And actually, so I can give that to you right now. Uh, North is hitting, let's see. In the first two games, he was five for eight with four doubles, Yeah, which is good. I think one walk and two strikeouts.
1: Correct. And I think now, yeah, he's, he added a couple more hits. I think the, each of the last two days, um, yeah, he was, I oh, don't know. He's in one hit each of the last two days, but, um, with Northcutt, the things I like are there's definite pop in the bat, um, and he's a really strong kid, like very physical. Just he's built. He's probably six. He's only like six one, but it's a really physical, sturdy frame. And his he uses his strength really well at the plate. Uh, a lot of the a couple of the doubles were just like kind of like pitches where he was caught out in front against breaking balls, but he was able to muscle them into the outfield um, and put the ball in play, which was a good sign. Uh, the, so that was good. The powers, uh, there's definitely power. Extra base hits are already starting to show up. He showed a, lo- a little Oppo power on the Sunday game. He got a breaking ball up and away that he actually did a good job staying back on and deposited off the right field wall, which is like 380 in the power alley. So that was a really nice swing. So the powers there, the swing can get a little long at times, and the approach is definitely like a work in progress at this point. Um He doesn't do a great job recognizing off speed pitches and he'll expand the zone a little bit. But um if he can cut that down, you know, there's that'll, that'll improve as he gets older and gets more reps. Um And then in the field, he's kind of at a mixed bag. He had one game where he didn't do a lot. And then the other one, he had an error and a couple other plays where his footwork needs some work and uh he had some trouble charging the ball. And I think defensively is just my biggest question with him. The, 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 Actually, the big two are going to be defense and the hit tool. Um, what's going to happen with those, mm-hmm. and that's going to go a long way to determining what his ultimate upside is. But I think he's going to have a very good year with Lowell pitching because he's he's pretty confident. He's confident at the plate, and he's going to hit for power. And yeah, he's going to be one of their better hitters this year, I suspect.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. By the way, just I was a little distracted. He endeavors made another running backwards over the shoulder ridiculous catch. Yeah. Uh, while pulled over to shortstop.
1: That was kind of like the play I was talking about Flores made, where it was oh, like okay. well, there, there was one way behind third base where he just completely flew it on the run over the shoulder catch, which is nice.
0: Well, but so anyway, getting back to Northcutt, sounds like you liked what you saw. After. Yeah, I mean, he there was some good... seemed to be lagging a little behind the other guys.
1: I mean, there there are some good previously. things. That, yeah, there were some good things, but at the same time, I do have some questions that he doesn't have, that he's not on the same level upside-wise as the other three guys to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, let's maybe move on to the mound, Ian. Um, you saw a few pitchers. Uh, you saw a couple starters. Let me, let's me let start with the guy you saw on opening night, Yusniel Padron Artiles, um, whose name for some reason includes two L's on MILB.com now. Um <laughs>
1: I know we have we've had a big debate about that. <laughs> uh, oh god,
0: the name. Um, but yeah, anyways, he went six innings on opening night.
1: Which was surprising, uh, I, I should say, because yeah. I'm not used to guys going that deep and low.
0: Um, but he allowed one run on three hits, three walks, seven K's. Nice little outing from Padron Artiles, who also has seen some time uh, along with a couple other guys on this roster in Greenville this year as kind of a spot starter. In Greenville, the numbers are okay. Uh, 19 to two-thirds, 11 runs on t- on 20 hits, so the ERA is 5-0-3. Um, 5 games, two of them starts. Uh, the other three were piggybacking. Uh, but 18 Ks to four walks. What did you see out of Padron Artiles? Is he a guy that we should uh, put on our radars?
1: I mean he's old for the level or at least he's not like he's not the youngest guy he's 21 so and as you said he's got that experience in Greenville um the things I did like were he just he knows how to pitch um, which makes sense I guess he's as I said one of the older guys but um he just he doesn't throw very hard the stuff doesn't stand out but it's you know 80 to 80 88 89 with the fastball with some cut at 87 88 when he drops it down a little below wise for more movement uh change up is 78 to 80 and then he mixes in a curveball anywhere from like 66 to 75 mm-hmm. and at 66 it's a legit Sharifus pitch which is pretty fun to watch Love the and US. then yeah and that's just literally to steal a first pitch strike that's the only time he's he, he used that but for the most part it's like 71 to 73 um but it's kind of like a long deep curveball and i don't know i just like he he had a good job he got a lot of swing and misses um he had seven strikeouts, as you said, in six innings and was pretty efficient. I think he only threw like 70 pitches in six innings, even though he struck out seven guys and walked three. So that's pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the thing that stood out for me was just his fastball is really hard to hit. Uh, it, it really jumps on hitters cause he has this really short arm action where he just keeps it completely behind his body the entire time before coming forward. So hitters have a really a lot of trouble picking it up until late. And, uh, when they do it jumps on them and plays up a little bit, even though velocity wise, it's below average. So, I mean, because of the lack of velocity and the fringy secondary stuff, I'm not sure it's more than like an organizational profile at best, but for like a low alarm, he's pretty solid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's, I mean, that's a good, that's good to see on Padron Um I'll just, I guess I'll just throw to you on maybe talk about one or two more guys of the guys you saw. You uh, the other starter that you saw was um, a, a young prospect by the name of Hector Velasquez.
1: Yeah, he's he was really young. He the hitters had no chance against him. No, really?
0: Yeah, I mean it was one inning.
1: He and he's in the out major out. leagues right now. Yeah, yeah
0: he, got, he got called back up today. Um,
1: yeah, he was rehabbing, so that was yeah. Not uh, but a, you uh,
0: saw the piggyback uh, for him was Yasel Santana, who did not have a great outing statistically at least. He allowed five, six runs, five earned, and four innings.
1: Um, he seven, also had like three perfect innings, and then got bombed in his last inning and a bit really? in, inning plus. Yeah,
0: and this he, is why no. But can I just make a quick point? Mm-hmm. This is why you can't just go on stats, especially in a small sample size in uh, short season ball, because you have the things like a guy will be rolling for five innings, but then he just gets out. Absolutely, the wheels fall off in a way that they don't when the guys are older.
1: Yeah, this was the Sunday game that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That was a quite the game A mess, yeah. and um yeah he he threw the second he threw three shutout innings gave up two runs in the fifth and then they gave up five runs in the sixth mm-hmm. and it was just one of these things where he was pretty for those first three innings he was on point um his fastball was up to 95 he was sitting mostly like 92 93 but mm-hmm. he could run up there uh and then after that like the fourth inning hit, and we're looking at 90 to 92, some 88s, some 89s in there. Velo dropped off completely second time through the order, and this stuff just wasn't crisp at all. Um, I mean, he did, there were some good things. He got a lot of swinging strikes, especially with his changeup. I'm not sure it's a changeup or a splitter, but I, I mean, I called it a changeup, but it it could be a split. It was pretty similar. Um, the movement, it was hard to tell, but that was like 84 to 86. And he threw in a ton. Um, he got, I want to say what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I had like nine swinging strikes with just the changeup alone. Mm -hmm. So that was encouraging. But, um, I think he's a reliever. I've said it before. I think he's a reliever and this didn't do anything to change my opinion of that. It's not, he's not the most, you know, the biggest guy. He's like six foot one, 180 pounds. There's some projection left, but it's not like overly physical frame. He's pretty athletic and there's some, like some looseness in his arm, which I like, but yeah, just second time through, it just fell apart kind of. And which isn't surprising. I mean, this, and it's a two pitch mix fastball changeup. the sliders well below average pitch. Um, it's a little cutter like at times, but he didn't throw it even very much. It was mostly fastballs and changeups. And so, you know, it was good for three innings and that's kind of what I hope I wish they would use him more in that role rather than trying to turn him into a true starter. Cause that's, I think what his ultimate role is going to be is a, a bullpen or like a long relief type. But, um, I mean, there's some raw stuff there. It's just, very far away
0: all right fair enough um are any of the relievers that you saw worth mentioning very briefly ian
1: i think the only other guy we should mention is i saw joan martina or joan Martinez rehabbing and uh he's someone who if you look his numbers are really good this year um i don't yeah, know if he's been shoving
0: talk. in salem i can grab him real quick but you saw him throw two-thirds of an inning allowed two yes yeah. on three walks and a strikeout
1: yeah, he didn't give up any hits, and but yeah, his just but command in, was all over In the Salem the place.
0: this year, uh, in 21 and two-thirds innings, uh, it's an ERA of 208, whip of 1.15, 34 Ks to 8 walks. Again, that's yeah. 21 and two-thirds innings for Martinez. So he was a guy that we thought might have been on his way to a promotion to Portland before he got hurt.
1: Yeah. And I think you could tell he was coming back from an injury in the sense of the, just the feel and the command wasn't there. Like he lost his release point completely. I think he got the first two hitters out and then it just completely deserted him. But I mean, the, the velocity is legit. Like it's an electric arm. He was 96 to 98. Every pitch was in that range. And, uh, but it was like 20 command and control. So it didn't really play. But, um, It's plus arm speed, like really funky delivery. He like slings it from this low three quarters arm slot that's pretty tough to hit, but there's a ton of effort and it's a relief only profile. But there's definitely bat missing ability and he threw a slider, a couple sliders that were all right um, at 84 to 86, but that was really inconsistent too. And then he mixed in, like, a changeup splitter thing again at, like, 84, but he only threw one of them. But, I mean, the raw stuff is very interesting in a bullpen role. It's just consistency has always been an issue for him, and uh, this was no surprise given he was coming back from an injury and hadn't pitched for almost a month. So hopefully we'll get to see him again before he goes back to Salem. But um, this raw stuff is there. It's just, yeah, is he going to put it together?
0: Nice. All right. Um, and then in the lineup, I, one guy I wanted to ask you about was the catcher, Jonathan Diaz. If you want to give me that kind of elevator pitch on him, he's a guy that's in our top 60 and that we've really liked and that we've heard really good things about. Um, what, did, what did you see out of him? And then if you want to mention one guy, one or two more, you know, maybe mention one more guy if you want. Otherwise, we can move on.
1: Yeah, and I, he's really the last guy. I think he's actually 45th. This so is Diaz, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Diaz is 45th in our rankings. He's in our top 50.
0: Not to be and confused with Jonathan John, Diaz with an H.
1: Who's 42nd or something. Yeah, a
0: pitcher in Salem. But
1: uh, Diaz is someone who I actually have never seen in a game, ironically enough, but I've heard a lot about just because he's someone that scouts like when they saw him in fall instructs last year, even though he didn't play when I was there. Um, for me, it's a bad first profile defensively. He looked very rough. Um, he had some, a lot of trouble, uh, getting down blocking balls in plate and just, it was the receiving skills weren't there, but the arm looked pretty good. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, the receiving is going to be a work in progress, but at the plate, I I liked what I saw. He's got a good swing from the left side. Uh, look confident at the plate just nice level smooth swing a little bit of bat speed uh, i turned around a lefty fastball in the low 90s off the wall for a double which i like to see just when you get a young hitters who can go lefty lefty it's it's encouraging um but a lot of line drives that was really it he had three hits in the game i saw it was three for four with the walk and just good at bats so that was a little encouraging. I believe he's like struck out three times tonight, but whatever. He's nineteen, and just for a guy who you know he got seventy five hundred bucks to sign, and he's only he's still only nineteen. You're nineteen years old out of Venezuela. He's somewhat interesting to watch as a bat first catching prospect.
0: It's interesting because well, he turns twenty on July the seventh. Okay, um, so yeah, he, t- he he signed on the July second, uh, twenty seventeen class, but he was eighteen. Well, at the time he was technically eighteen, but he turned. Um, no, he was seventeen, but he turned eighteen like five days later. Um, so he was an older international free agent signing. Yeah, it was
1: that—that that was the year they signed a bunch of those guys. Yeah,
0: and he actually played that year, which is rare. Usually, they sign these guys; they're sixteen. They basically go to the facility and work out for a year, then they start playing games the next year, like we're seeing with last year's July two classes that we're going to talk about in a minute. But you know, Diaz seemed like he was going to be a filler, but then it turned out that people like him. Uh, the scouts like him as you mentioned so
1: well then i mean and yeah he got a promotion to the gulf coast league after only what 63 at bats in 2017 which usually says something and he had a pretty good year there last year at 261 317 402 is a 17 year old or sorry as a 19 year old in the gcl so yeah it's going to be a he's someone i'm definitely going to keep my eye on and just another you know guy to add to the little lineup which as we talked about with those five plus whoever else is coming when the draftees start playing it's going to be a really interesting team
0: Nice. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm. looking forward to seeing them. They play down here in Aberdeen. They've got one series that starts on a Sunday. I think it's like a Sunday to Tuesday. They're, their schedule in the New York Penn League this year is really weird. They're doing like two and three game series.
1: It makes no sense. They went two at home, then they were playing two in Hudson Valley, which is yep. not a short car ride. That's like what, eight hours by bus or six hours, I think.
0: It's probably something like that, yeah. And
1: then they're coming home for three games, and they go back on the road for two games. It's like, I, games. I don't understand.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, at home against Connecticut, at Hudson for two games, at Hudson Valley for two games, at home for three games, at Connecticut for three games, which that one's probably not. That's, that's not
1: bad. It, that's ride. like a, an hour and a half. But then but still, a
0: day off, back home for three games, at Brooklyn for three games.
1: That's a long drive. That's like six hours.
0: That's what closes out June. Then they come home and they finally have a six-game home stand. But it's just,
1: yeah, it's really strange how they're doing it. Like the Hudson Valley one, I don't get because that's a legit bus ride, and like yeah. to go there for two games seems like such a waste. But
0: yeah, the okay. only the only series where they're doing road trips is like both times they go to Aberdeen. Like Which when makes they're sense, in Aberdeen, because that's, that's a super far trip. Although they don't even yeah. have a they don't even have a travel day. Um uh, but fun. yeah they they're there from on like a Sunday through Tuesday, then they go to Batavia on the way back, and then they play at home against Auburn with no off day like and then later on the, the uh, Tuesday through Thursday series at Aberdeen, on the way back, they hit Staten Island in Brooklyn, which you should play both of them when you're in town, yeah, like, that should like, be a rule
1: well, it's the same thing when you go to Hudson Valley, you should play Batavia too because isn't that out I'm pretty sure that's like New York too. Yeah, this so. is the
0: stupidest schedule I've ever seen. They basically yeah. go home away home away home away. This is so yeah. dumb.
1: Yeah, yeah, but Batavia is literally, yeah. literally in, in Canada. Like it's up near like <laughs> Toronto.
0: Literally, you mean figuratively.
1: No, it's it's up in between Buffalo and Rochester. Like okay. that versus that's like really far away. And yeah, Hudson Valley is it would make sense to go from there to Hudson Valley, to over to Batavia, not to go from like Aberdeen to Batavia. That bus ride's a nightmare. It's like Jesus,
0: a monkey made the schedule. Like,
1: it makes no sense. I don't. Yeah.
0: This is this is so stupid.
1: But anyway, no one wants to hear us talk about the okay, schedule. We right. should talk about the DSL.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the DSL. So this year, the Dominican Summer League, really, you know, we don't, we obviously don't know a lot about these guys after they sign or when they're playing down there because we don't see them. You can't st- you can't stream the game. There's not a whole lot of scouting that comes out from down there. Ben Badler from Baseball America basically has the market cornered on these guys before they sign at least. Um, it's him
1: and Jesse Sanchez from MLB.
0: Good point. Good point. But Badler really gets the most in-depth stuff. And, you know, you have the international reviews, but, you know, you're talking about 16-year-old players who are still developing. So we figured now that we have – something of a sample size in the Dominican summer league where, uh, the two teams have played, I believe, uh, let me check this real quick. I think they've played like 12 and 13 games or something like that. Um, yeah, they've played, uh, yeah, 12 and 13. this DSL one has played 12 games. DSL two has played 13 games. So we've got something of a sample size to look at these guys. And there are really some impressive performances coming out of there already. And, um, We should probably start with the top bonus baby from last year's class is outfielder Eduardo Lopez. He got $1.15 million. Uh, Switch hitter. uh, By the way, all the scouting I should mention comes from Ben Badler's International Review from March. Um, You could check it out uh, at BaseballAmerica.com. But uh, Lopez, switch hitter, polished swing, approach, and instincts. And that's really what we heard. Like high game acumen, it says in here, advanced ability for his age. Uh, it doesn't sound really like it's, it's an exciting tool set, but it's, um, you know, line drive hitter, disciplined approach, kind of an advanced player for his age. Um, Lopez hasn't really done much. He didn't even start on opening day, which was weird. Uh, but he's hitting in 10 games, 143, 286, 257. So that's an OPS of 4, 543. Uh, really kind of struggling, 11 strikeouts and 35 at-bats Um, to just five hits, two extra base hits, both of them triples, welcome to the Dominican Summer League. Uh, You know, like, we kind of joke that it's glorified Legion ball, but again, these are 17-year-olds, you know, so that's kind of why you get that phenomenon of, like, no doubles, but two triples and that sort of thing. Uh, Lopez has been struggling a little bit, as has uh, the guy who received the second-highest bonus in Eduardo Vaughn and Alfio, are out of Panama. Uh, Vaughn in nine games is hitting 156, 289, 250. He's struggling a little bit as well. Um, only seven strikeouts and 32 at-bats, so not quite as much uh, strikeout issue there. So... Uh, yeah, Vaughn struggling a little bit. But let's go and instead focus on the positive, Ian. We've got some guys that we're going to have to rank here, uh, kind of sight unseen. The first guy that's really making a lot of waves is uh, outfielder Brian Gonzalez. Gonzalez received um, fi- a $500,000 signing bonus out of the Dominican. Uh, when he signed, he was six two, two 215 pounds. He's a big boy. Um, brute strength, quick bat speed. Plus raw power, and that is translating into game power. Ian, five home runs in 12 games, he's hitting 313, 404, 708. He's got six walks and four to 14 strikeouts. Like I mentioned, the five home runs, he's also got two doubles and a triple uh, among his four uh, 15 hits. He scored 14 runs in 12 games, he's driven in 10, um, you know, runs in RBI being what they are, but. This is a dude with some pop, Ian. Uh, Five home runs in 12 games, absolutely unheard of for a DSL guy, Ian. Um, I mean, that's – Xander Bogart's hit three. I think Devers hit three.
1: It's it's something. It's – He's someone who is definitely going to have to go up the rankings, and I think it's um, noteworthy that uh, Kylie McDaniel and Eric Long and even over at Fangraphs actually had had him as one of their risers in their updated mid-season rankings, and yeah. they Alrighty. have better Dominican sources than we do. So, um, Which is
0: none.
1: We yeah, none no. Well, but the thing is, no one has Dominican sources really. really? Right. Like no, it's not heavily scouted by unless right. except for the teams that are down there. Like,
0: well, and the thing people have to realize is like. The, the Gulf Coast League doesn't get get scouted by some teams.
1: Yeah, like I mean, the smart orgs do, but yeah, like yeah. not.
0: Like there are like, some organizations that don't that don't really scout short season. Never mind the Gulf Coast. I mean, they definitely don't scout the, the Gulf Coast League. More teams scout short season, but not all.
1: So, yeah, so it's one of those things that it's it's a hole in our coverage. We know that, but it's it's a hole in everyone's coverage. But I mean, it's interesting that they have. It's noteworthy to me that they he's someone they've pushed up, and he's now I think a forty FE for them, which would put him in like the top twenty-five in the system ish. Right. I think they ranked him twenty-fourth or twenty-fifth. So yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. we're gonna raise him not that much, I don't think. But we'll no. He's I mean, rise. he's
1: someone who we we usually do with the guys in the Dominican because you do have to take their numbers with a grain of salt because it's like glorified Legion ball over there in the DSL, but um. Is like, we'll see, we'll watch it during the year. You know, there'll be some guys in the back part of the list, and then we'll see who comes over for instructs, get a look at them there, and kind of adjust from there, kind of like what we did with Flores, Diaz, guys like that.
0: Yeah, so we've got, uh, he's, uh, Gonzalez is a guy who's raking, like I mentioned, with five home runs. Albert Feliz is an outfielder who's right behind him with four home runs. He's got six doubles to go with that as well. So his 10 extra base hits leads the, uh, leads the, um, uh, the DSL squads. He's hitting 300, 333, 660, uh, 15 hits and 50 at bats. That said, he's got 17 strikeouts and 50 at bats. Uh, so K rate's a little higher than you like to see compared to two walks. So that's a little bit of a hack, more of a hacktastic approach for Feliz. But badler on Feliz. Uh, Feliz did get a $400,000 signing bonus, as he said in the mold of Gonzalez, power, physical, power hitting corner bat. Six-two-two hundred with plus raw, he said. Ability to drive the ball to all fields, uh, and enough arm to play right. A couple of interesting guys there in Feliz and in um, in uh, Gonzalez who are showing out really yeah. early. Um, the other big uh, big bonus hitter was uh, Dominican outfielder Giancarlo Santana. He signed for four hundred and sixty k. He's more of an advanced approach type guy, kind of like we've read about Lopez, line drive hitter.
1: Manuel Margot's cousin.
0: What's that? Man- He's oh, Manuel is Margot's that's cousin. Right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. And uh, Giancarlo Santana struggling a little bit 229, 325, 257, uh, but only eight strikeouts and 35 at bats. Seems like a guy that's going to come along a little slower, uh, maybe mm-hmm. perhaps like Lopez, but a little bit weird where it's like, you know, down is up, up is down. The big bonus baby and Lopez not showing out, but. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you've got Lopez, Gonzalez, Feliz. One other guy I wanted to mention was shortstop uh, Brainer Bonacci. And I think he's Brainer. Brainer. Yeah. Okay. Well, he uh, when he signed, he weighed about 140 pounds, but at the time, Badler was riding in March, uh, he was up to 5'9, 165. Smaller flame framed player lacking strength, but a baseball rat already has a plus arm that could jump a grade once you get stronger. Good hands and things. It's short, switch hitter with line drive approach. He doesn't say anything about his speed, and maybe he should have, because Bonacci's got 10 stolen bases in 12 games. Uh, it, it was kind of funny, actually, today in our forum, and someone made a joke when Bonacci doubled. It's like, oh, what, did he not steal third? <laughs> and then it turned out like no, he actually it turned out did steal third. Oh,
1: it just um, wasn't in there yet.
0: <laughs> just wasn't in there yet, or he just hadn't hadn't looked. So uh, yeah, I mean he's got he's clearly running, uh, but he's also hitting. I mean he's got 22 hits at 51 at bats, four thirty one, four ninety one, six forty seven line. He's got four doubles, two triples, and a home run. Uh, you know home runs in the DSL are hard to come by. You know th- there's only one other player beyond those three, and that's outfielder Darrell Belen who moved from catcher. He's hitting .308, .362, .423. He was a guy who was in the DSL last year. Um, But, you know, those are the only four guys who've hit home runs. So when you hear that Gonzalez has five and Feliz has four, that's a lot. Um, On the steals, you know, there are guys who definitely run a lot and steal a decent number of bases. But it really does look in like this year's IFA class could be a very good one. Uh, You know, we were talking about last year's – or not last year's. It was two years ago that gave us – uh, Jimenez, or, I mean, I guess it would have been like, cause this is last year's class. So the, the
1: 2017, 2018.
0: Yeah. So, you know, there was, there was a class that included Diaz, Flores, and, uh, Gilberto Jimenez that looked like it was going to be, that's the 2017, 18 class that you yeah. were talking about, as well as some of the arms we talked about, um. It looks like this next class behind them might have some interesting guys in Gonzalez, Feliz, Bonacci, and maybe some other guys. Catcher Neusbel, Marcano, who got 350K out of Venezuela. He's hitting very well as well. Marcano's hitting 308, 333, 436 with five doubles. Uh, no home runs yet, but, of course, also catching, uh, although he does have four errors already. So clearly a work in progress defensively there. But, yeah, I, mean, yeah, and- I think Gonzalez is, is the big mover here, but Feliz, Bonacci, uh, and maybe Mar or Marcano are guys who I've, I'm keeping my eye on.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean we're seeing the importance of the international market and what the Red Sox have done the last two years. Just sign as many guys as possible, which I completely advocate as an approach. Because mm-hmm. who knows what they're going to develop into? See what sticks and go from there. Yeah. But um, we're seeing kind of like part of the reason the system was so bad for a while, as we talked about, was they couldn't sign anyone in 2016, 2017 internationally, and then 2015, 16 they lost like their top five guys. Right. So. We're kind of seeing now what's happening when uh, they're getting back into the international market and they're, the fruits of those labors are starting to come true.
0: Yeah, I should also mention one more guy. Elio Prado does have two home runs. He's in 326, 431, 581. He only got a five-figure signing bonus. He only signed for 85000 So he could be a smaller bonus guy who, who breaks out later. Uh, so he's also interesting as a player. So that's the class. Yeah. So um, you know what, Ian? I think we can wrap it up at this point. If you Do we have an email? Oh, yeah, we do have an email. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the reminder. We always Let finish me emails. On, we man. We do. We do. Um, so we have one email. This email – actually, I should uh, give a shout-out to Mark. Mark sent an email, Ian, right after we released the last episode.
1: Oh, that's so unfortunate.
0: Asking about Noah's song. Okay. So I replied to him and said, Hey, Mark, why don't you go and listen to the podcast we just recorded If you still have questions, let us know. And he actually emailed back a couple days ago and said, hey, I listened to the podcast. And, yeah, you guys pretty much answered all my questions. Thanks so much (laughs) for the email. Uh, But then he had a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, So he said he has a couple of new questions regarding the new Fangraphs rankings, which you've alluded to. Uh, He mentioned that Fangraphs gave Jaron Duran a 55-55, so that's uh, present and future grades, for raw power. Is that just a mistake, or does he actually have decent raw power that he could possibly tap into with a swing change? Uh, I, that was interesting to me. Uh, I'm pulling up to as I see you are uh, the the full line that the Fangraphs guys gave Duran was they did give him a 35 present 50 future hit tool, a 30 present 45 future game power tool, and he did give the, they did give him a 55 present raw. I haven't seen a BP, in. Have you? I've
1: seen it, yeah. I mean, there's there's raw power to the pull side. I think that's a little optimistic. Like, I would have probably gone, like, average raw. I think it's going to be, like, 35, 40 game. Yeah. But I just – I, I, I kind of look at it that if I'm him, he doesn't need to hit home runs for it to play. Like, yeah. he can just hit balls in the gap. And if I'm him, I'd rather hit hard line drives and just run for forever than right. risk right. hitting a bunch of pop-ups to sell out for power. That's just personally me. But, uh, I mean, it's, like – I think thirty. it's a little aggressive for me but I can maybe if they you know depend on I don't know who they talk to or whatever but yeah I mean I can believe that it's not out of the realm of possibility I'll say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean he they they he they mentioned him as a guy that could jump into the top 100 for them as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's interesting that did surprise me as well. I I don't know that I see future 55. I mean, it's 55 raw. They only say 45 game. We have them as
1: like 40 game in his future. Right.
0: So So they're not that different than what we have. No, we have
1: them as 30 right now, 40 future. Yeah. And they have 30, 45. So it's not a huge difference. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Mark's second question said, Fangraphs ranked Nick Decker at six in the system and said there were strong reports about his back coming out of Instructs. Have you guys heard similar reports? And is he someone who could possibly slide in the six to eight range with a strong season in Lowell? Um, Ian, you, you from Instructs, yeah, yeah no, good he, People liked it. Yeah,
1: yeah. We I mean we talked about it I think last year after instructs. People liked him coming out of there. Um, he obviously something he didn't make a full season team, but as we talked about earlier, it's not the end of the world. And I've liked what I've seen thus far in uh in Lowell. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean we like what we see. you know, he didn't make Greenville and Brandon Howlett did, which to me does say something as two guys who were drafted in last year's high school class who are the same age. Um howlett has struggled a bit in Greenville. Howlett's hitting two fifty, three fifty one, three fifty, 350,
1: but then said he got off to a terrible start, so he he's did. slowly recovering.
0: Well he he is and he isn't. Um let me just pull up Brandon Howlett. Yeah, I mean Howlett, if you do the game log. In April he did struggle, you know, looking at the splits. In April he hit uh two hundred three, two sixty three, three hundred four. In May, 244, 346, 344. In June, 341, 482,
1: 439. He just takes time to get used to the level.
0: Um, And if you actually look at him since uh, May 18th, 298, 394, 405. So not a ton of pop yet, but that's still 35 strikeouts and 104 plate appearances. That's higher than I'd like to see the strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, And he's still striking out a lot in June. Um, I mean, but he's walking a lot more, too. Well, in June, it's 19 strikeouts and 56 plate appearances. Um, 12 walks, yeah. Which is 34%.
1: Yeah, I mean, walks. that's it obviously had the strikeout rate needs to come down. And but, the average I mean, of
0: balls in play is 583.
1: It takes some time to just – I'm, I'm not that concerned about him right now.
0: Yeah, um, well, I'm not saying I'm concerned, but I'm just saying, you know, you'd like to see him maybe perform a little better. But my point was going to be <laughs> they trusted him to go to the Gulf uh, – sorry, to the South Atlantic League, and they didn't send Nick Decker there as the second rounder. So part of yeah. that – Obviously like I said was that he played last year whereas Decker didn't. Mm-hmm.
1: Um
0: but you know it's just Yeah, no, like, I mean
1: I think where he is right now, like with a good year he could push into like the edge of the top ten, but you know, that's I think like right around for me like anything after from like six to like 13 14 15 16 like that whole range is more or less the same to me mm. right now like you could order it whatever you want i think we're gonna less. see yeah.
0: some shake up on june 1 or july yeah. 1 especially once we have players like canon and maybe lugo
1: but that's not, i'm not taking into account the new guys but yeah right. like for me though they're like there is a, there's a significant drop-off after four then grooms in his own little world as we've talked about because of the situation there and then after that it's pretty similar like rankings wise to me
0: like you want to tell me that you want to rank Gilberto Jimenez over CJ Chatham I'm not really gonna argue
1: yeah that's what I mean like anywhere from like 6 to 16 to me is like a tier and frankly there are a couple guys in this in this in the 6 to 16 range right now who I would have below in a different tier but that's just like personal preference to me but yeah there's like six or seven guys who I could make a case for between 6 and 13 or so and Decker's one of them
0: yep so, all right. Well, thanks for the email uh, emails, I guess, Mark. We, we appreciate it. And again, podcast at socksprospects.com. If you want to send us an email with a question, with a thought, with a topic you want us to discuss, we want to hear about it. So send it over, podcast at com. Ian, let's wrap it up, man. Uh, we want to thank you, everybody, for listening. We want to say, send a thank you to our podcast editor, podcast Joe Tetrault. Follow Ian on Twitter at Ian Cundle. That's I A N C U N D A L L. Follow me at sp Chris Hatfield, and make sure you're following the site account at Sox Prospects. Again, the Sox Prospects donation drive is on. Please, if you can support the site, you can do it two ways: Patreon.com/slash socks Prospects to make a donation uh, per episode of the podcast in order to unlock certain perks. Uh, and you can also help support us by going to socks, prospects.com slash donate to make a one-time donation. Uh, we'll appreciate any level of support. Obviously the little more is always better, but Hey, whatever you can do, it helps the site. Don't think that, uh, you know, you shouldn't give because you can't give, um, you know, $500 or something. If you want to give $500, great, but you know, whatever you're willing to give, we'd appreciate it, uh, at any level. Uh, so thank you. Uh, everybody who has supported us and for those who are thinking about it hopefully you consider it and we'll appreciate your support if you decide to come around and do it so for ian i'm chris thanks for listening everybody uh we'll be back in your eardrums uh, very soon